you turns Layla Quartz curious. Ooh. <laughs> We're opening up third eyes today. Welcome to Cringe Watchers, a podcast where we invite our expert friends to binge watch TV and talk about sex. For this episode, we watched Watchmen and asked Jana Zinzi about personalized dildos. Lori, are you cringing or binging this week? Oh, Layla, I am cringing this week. Former feminist Shiro Naomi Wolf has been making public statements questioning the efficacy of vaccines and implying that they have side effects that are beyond what has been scientifically documented. These anti-vax shenanigans are hugely problematic, especially for a so-called feminist icon who's using those feminist media credentials to spread COVID misinformation in the name of women's health. Naomi Wolf, you're messy, and you're my cringe for the week. I need some good news instead of consuming all this messy media lately. So I hope you have something good for me. I have goofy too. I, <laughs> I see you're messy and I'll give you goofy because I'll take it. I have no patience, no tolerance, no bandwidth for anything but YouTube lately. I just turn it on and let the algorithm lead me to nutty channels. And lately I've been binging this channel called Two Set Violin run by two professional violin players in Australia, Brett Yang and Eddie Chen. They are... Uh, passionate about classical music, but the way they express that is by pushing lots of other classical musicians into games and uh, and doing things like uh, performing while hula hooping. They're just really earnest and sincere and funny lovers of music that make me appreciate music that I didn't even think I liked. That sounds really fun. I can't wait to check out the hula hooping in particular. Yeah. And it's another good contrast to our topic this week, which is somewhat heavy. It, we are entering the universe known as Watchmen. I never saw the movie that came out in 2009, the most recent iteration of Watchmen that Zack Snyder directed. Lori, did you know what a Snyder cut was before all of this? I assumed based on the name that it was just the best, most delicious part of a brisket. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the chuckle, Layla. You humor me. Well, uh, it's not a brisket. Uh, a Snyder Cut is a very long movie that uh, the comic book nerds uh, review in depth. Luckily, we didn't watch that version. <laughs> We're here to talk about the new version of Watchmen that HBO took on. And just for some background for our listeners, Watchmen was a graphic novel that came out in 1986. There was a movie that came out about 10 years ago that was very long and very dark uh, and very white. And uh, we watched a different version that is on HBO right now. And the new show on HBO takes place 30 years later than both the graphic novel and the movie. And it's about race and centers race in a way that the first two definitely did not. And as our show centers how sex is portrayed on screen, we uh, talk to our guest about uh, a sexual topic. And that is the huge blue personalized dildo that shows up in episode three. We had a very fun conversation spanning crystal dildos, race play, strap-ons, and more with Jenna Zinzi. One disclaimer for Watchmen newbies, you do not need to be an expert or memorize or read the graphic novel to appreciate our conversation. 
And uh, the second disclaimer is for Watchmen stands. We know you're out there. We know there are probably details we messed up. We're, we're ready for you. Hold us accountable, but don't begrudge us this conversation. I think you'll enjoy it too. Here's our interview with Jenna Zinzi. This is such a dream. Look at you beautiful angels. I'm Yay. so happy. <laughs> We're going to talk about dildos. <laughs> Jenna, it's so good to see you. So wonderful to be here with y'all. I love this so much, so much. We go way back. Where are you? I am currently in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes. I'm being a proper wander woman right now and uh, back here a little bit before I head back to Costa Rica. So good things. Yes, we're going to get to the dildo. But I think for Layla and I, when thinking about Watchmen and thinking about sex and sexuality and specifically that blue dildo, uh, the one word that really came to mind for us was power mm. because the show is dealing with a lot of dynamics and flipping them on their head. Mm -hmm. We see that in so many different ways, but we really see that with the way they deal with sex and sexuality and race. Um, and so I actually think you're the perfect guest to help us think through these themes and ideas. And one of the reasons we're all sitting around binge watching these shows and holding on to these shows is coronavirus. But I mean, this is life. This is not beginning or ending with the pandemic. This is our, our bodies, our lives, our sexualities. And so I really think there's a lot to unpack here. Um, that's super interesting to me. And I could not imagine somebody better to sit with us and think with us about this. So thank you for being here. I am honored that yeah. I feel like I'm going to, I need to wipe my, tears like <laughs> that was so beautiful so no I am honored uh, to be here to talk about this um this this show this episode this topic we've watched the show and and seen a lot of commentary about race but less about sex as Lori said these things are all interconnected and we can't separate them out I watched this whole series for this podcast. And so the mm. only thing I knew about the series was that it was about comic books and race and that Lori had mentioned this blue dildo. So I was really <laughs> watching the whole series waiting for that to happen. I can't remember if Lori Blake, the Jean Smart character has already mm. made some references to Angela about how hot her husband is or not. Yes, she has. That definitely comes up later. There's definitely a feeling before I piece those two things together that she's objectifying this black man when she keeps hinting that Cal is really hot. You see her sexual desire distilled to this huge blue thing. That combined with later when you see Angela actually picking out the body of Cal mm -hmm. really messed with me. Is blue black? Is black blue? Mm. What does it mean to have this cartoon color stand in for race? I didn't think about cartoonish until you just said it. You could take it in two ways, right? The way that they've connected it as like how this color blue is connected to Cal, right? This black man, dark skinned black man. For me, I looked at blue as kind of like trying to subvert the race of it and make it like it's this other thing beyond race. And so maybe the fact that when you say that the blue is cartoonish, that's kind of, as you say that, I think about is like, 
because it's a bright ass blue. Like it's pretty. It's like my nails actually, <laughs> which y'all can't see. I'm wondering now, as you ask that question, if it's their way of trying to transcend race on some level with that, especially because you have this like very intergalactic alien type of storyline and undercurrent or, you know, really not undercurrent through line. So I don't know. I'm curious, Lori, what came up for you? Yeah, the color blue. It's it's doing a lot of work in this show. And for me, the blue was one of those things that um, really shows how much work the writers did to take this from a comic book that's decades old and make it really relevant today. Because I really do feel that, you know, the original story of The Watchmen did come from a time when, you know, the phrase, I don't care if you're black, white, purple, green, blue, you know, that type of phrase Mm -hmm. would be a completely acceptable liberal position to declare your lack of racism, right? So I don't see color could have passed as a progressive position at the time when the original comic was released. And, you know, I I think the original comic had really kind of radical, wild politics. Um, Mm. But the show has radical, wild politics in a totally different way, in a much more racially charged way. And so they took that blue, um, which in the comic is explained as this kind of science-based explanation. And they, I think really heavily racialized it and Mm -hmm. the the dildo is a symbol of that and so with Gene Smart's character the work that the blue dildo does is reveal her true pinings right it reveals Mm -hmm. what she is actually desiring as opposed to what you know Layla was describing they were slyly foreshadowing um, a more race-based desire and it also Mm -hmm kind of calls to, you know, the hypersexualization of Black men without explicitly calling to it in a way that I think is really smart and interesting, but also weird. It's really yes. weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally real. Because it was that that scene where she first met Cal was at the um, funeral of, again, I'm going to just call them the actor's names, Don yeah, Johnson. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I don't remember that. <laughs> That sheriff guy. <laughs> the, sh- the sheriff guy who, who hanged. <laughs> so they first met at that funeral. And I remember watching it and being like sucking my teeth because she goes up to Angela, introduces herself, whatever. And then she, you know, looking at Cal, she says something sly. And then again, later on in the episode, she says something sly about him looking, you know, your husband's real cute. Your sex life is good or something sus. And I was like, bitch, what? Like, (laughs) that's like one of a series of things. You know, Lori mentioned things being turned on their heads. First, you think that Jean Smart is like all, all powerful. Yes. Her opening that box. I think you see that it says Dr. Manhattan first and she opens it and it's this huge blue dildo. Massive. Yeah. (laughs) After the dildo, she goes and fucks the measly cop, the the gangly guy. But then you see her in her confessionals calling Dr. Manhattan pining and, and speaking out into the abyss in the same way you see Cal and you think that he's this hot black man. And then you 
also get these flashbacks to the early life of a white man. Mm -hmm. And so none of those things are true. And it's hard to tell who's in charge. You think that Angela is in charge in her marriage. Like she's super tough and her husband's like literally a stay at home dad. And they, they have a lot of scenes with him and the kids and him just taking care of things. And then you realize, Oh no, actually he's an all powerful God. Like <laughs> <laughs> even just the flip of like you have two black parents darker skinned black parents with these like children who are white of some mix and sort you know and so it's like even these kinds of things like you think about the safety but also like can you imagine if you saw two black parents walking around with like a whole bunch of white kids as their kids no doesn't happen <laughs> There's another element I want to throw out there and then I want to come back to the dildos, Janet, that we will never escape the dildos. The dynamic of white women desiring Black men mm -hmm. and Black love being, um, you know, this sign of respectability and, you know, something that you're striving for and white women being a threat to that. Mm -hmm. there's, there's sort of that piece that the show starts to explore but then we also have the don johnson character essentially getting lynched so a white man mm -hmm. being lynched um, for something that in our real world black men were often lynched for their alleged and supposed attention to white women and so i just I don't know what to say about that, but I feel we'd be remiss if we didn't throw it out there. How do you make sense of all of those dynamics? And do you think this show ultimately comes out of that with a, a message or with, a, with, with something to say, or is it all just kind of throwing, being thrown against the wall? What I will say when you're talking about Black love is that from that first episode and throughout the show, the way that they show... I was really about to call Regina King Brenda. So clearly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use their actor names. It's all is, good. <laughs> is Angela. She's Angela in the show. Regina King. Let me get it right. Let me put some respect on her name. You know what I mean? Like I can't be, I can't be doing that out here. <laughs> so Regina King's character and Cal, their sex scenes are beautifully done. And like, they're getting it. Like those sex scenes are hot. They're fly, like you could tell that acting or whatever, they were feeling it, you know? And that I, is something that I actually really appreciated. It was just like hot, but not, it was like equally just, it was pleasure centered, just it, well done. That's one positive thing. And I think to your point about Jean Smart's character, I think that's also why her character got on my nerves too. Cause I'm like, excuse you, don't be trying to come up in here, hussy, with this. <laughs> beautiful couple that's in love having good sex he's stay-at-home dad and like as Layla said um supreme being uh, like from another world so <laughs> there's also this whole just sort of like glanced over men having sex with men plot line that's and right I, I thought was really interestingly portrayed because I, I again there's more going on in the show that I retained but like there's the there's the show within the show where there's like a soap opera version where you see that it's known that this early superhero guy liked to fuck other men then you get flashbacks in real life and see that there was this weird interracial relationship and that just casually 
the ancestor was a black man who was married and had children, but then also had hot sex with this other guy that had its own weird power dynamics. And I thought it was really interesting how that was both like put in front of your face, flipped in terms of uh, sort of race and power dynamics, but then also not really mentioned. Absolutely. It definitely didn't get the the neat kind of ending for their plot that I'm gonna call her Brenda now, Jenna. I'm sorry. Her name's Brenda. <laughs> it didn't get the neat little ending that Brenda got, you know, even though they left us on a cliffhanger, um, at least we, we know, uh, we have the right question that we know we're asking. So that's, that's such a good point, Layla. And yeah, I mean, I'm here for the, you know, all types of queer sexual representation. Um, but it's, it's unclear to me whether they fully flesh that out. I totally forgot all about that storyline. I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> like Things change again. I'm wondering, Laurie, for you, I haven't read the comic book. So I'm curious too about like, how does that correlate with the endings or like, is it just kind of like there's more stories that could be told or places that it goes in the comic books? The comic book is wild because it's a really harsh graphic novel. Like there's a lot of cursing and there's like sexual assault and it's really intense and it is not racialized, as I said, in the same way that the show is. So I didn't finish the graphic novel. I got about halfway through. The politics are super interesting. It's almost kind of, it's almost like an Antifa. (laughs) Um, It's very just, or just anarchy, just like kind of leftist chaos, I would say. Um, Fuck it all type of vibes. And a lot of the characters are kind of referencing like the Cold War. There's a lot of really interesting political content that is a bit dated, but still really uh, radical. And the female characters are complex. Jean Smart's character is featured as Dr. Manhattan's love interest in the original graphic novel. Her mom is an assault survivor. They put her through a lot. So I guess Mm. if I had to summarize, I would say the source material was brilliant in in one way. And the show is brilliant in a totally different way. I'm not someone who like goes deep on comic book stories and all of that, but finding these little Easter eggs that they hid for you that called back to the graphic novel was a really fun part of watching the show. I will say that. And is there a dildo in the graphic novel? It's very sexual. They definitely talk about how she likes his big dick and everything, but there's not a dildo that I encountered. (laughs) I was just curious, does it also take place in Tulsa or is that totally just layered onto this new, onto the show? That's totally layered on. The location is a massive character of the entire, like it's so foundational. So that's interesting. And the stuff when you were talking about the graphic novels connected to the Cold War, I'm thinking about that Vietnam War theme of the Watchmen. That's so interesting, or of the TV show rather. Bass Bass is an authentic, African-inspired packaged goods food brand that strives to bring the flavors and the cultures of the continent to consumers. Think craft foods in scope, but Patagonia in culture and impact. 
To learn more about the Bass Bass story and their products, visit BassBassSauce.com. That's B-A-S-B-A-A-S Sauce.com. I want to talk about personalized dildos. You you mentioned um, sexual pleasure. You mentioned you said a phrase like pleasure centered, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I know you yourself dabble in the world of burlesque, and you have just a really amazing analysis around pleasure and sexuality and race. And I just want to talk to you about personalized dildos. Like, is this a thing in your world? Tell us about that. You know what? In my world, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. It is not. You know, I don't know that much about it, to be entirely frank. I think it's kind of fascinating. Like, I'm a nerd, too. So I think about the process of that. I'm like, so, like, what's that conversation like? You know, like, baby, I want your dick immortalized and you know, whatever, like, I know that there's a whole like production of this and I'm just like, wow, cool. But (laughs) again, I don't know, like, it's not, not to be judgy at all. I just really, I use like simple fun vibrators. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, I, I did look up how one gets a personalized dildo and there, there are many, many options online. I could see a conversation where it's like, oh, I'm going on a trip. Or uh, I want to feel you exactly. But if I were really trying to to think about the products it would take to replicate my partner, it would be like programming a fun vibrator (laughs) to the right style versus just the member. That makes so much sense, Layla. Yes. I don't know about you, but my fun vibrator has modes. (laughs) Okay, Layla, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Are you saying it's the size of the boat or the motion of the ocean? <laughs> no, yes. I'm basically pitching the two of you a business idea and saying, okay. here is a startup here. That's right. <laughs> Programmed travel vibrators. Forget mm. dildos. I'm into it. I'm totally I'm into it. Mad. That's hilarious. Match your person's <laughs> rhythms exactly. Let's go. Shark Tank. We're ready. <laughs> Maybe not personalized dildos, but Jana, I'm assuming you have more experience with dildos than we do just because the burlesque world does involve sort of the presentation mm-hmm. of power and strap-ons. And yes, I'm wondering if, how that plays into your world. Like, do, Have you ever performed with a strap-on? I'm so vanilla. I have not, <laughs> but it's pretty much been a lot of like queer black performers that I've really seen use strap-ons or use dildos in ways that are smart and also that feel inclusive and it's not like reinforcing gender binaries and stereotypes. What I will say about dildos though is that I am a fan of the this is not going to surprise either of you. The like crystal dildos, shock rubs, I'm gonna shout them out. (laughs) I just I'm a fan. Yes. Like what you're saying with like the different modes, there's different vibrators for different experiences. I feel like. Speak on that. I We need more. Is a crystal dildo to take away things or to give you power? Like, is it a cleanse? Let's go back to the power. Yes. So I think it depends on what kind of crystal you're using because they sell them in different 
a lot of times they'll be aligned with chakras. A lot of them will be like rose quartz. I have a rose quartz one, right? And for me, it's, I've incorporated that into, sometimes it's sexual and sometimes it's not. Meaning I use that for pleasure in a sense of like, kind of working on like the self-love and self-worth kind of energy because rose quartz is for self-love, it's for heart chakra. So for me, that's like doing more of like some meditative work and connection work between physical, but also my root, my vagina connected to the heart space and kind of doing some healing work around assault or just other things that might be coming up where I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, sometimes you just notice in relationship with others that there's things that are still asking to be healed. So that's kind of my like, you know, more self-love, but in terms of, you know, like getting off is, is a different, (laughs) it's a different, that's where I use the stuff that has modes, you know what I mean? So, and it's interesting when you talk about power, I think they're power in different ways, right? Like for me, I can fear, feel more powerful in sexual situations if I feel more powerful in myself. Mm. And like, can, you know what I'm saying? Like to me is like the more work that I do with myself and, and sexual healing or what just healing myself, the more powerful I can show up for others and in relationship with others. To me, that power is connected to freedom, freedom in, in sex and freedom in being in relationship with each other. I love that. Thanks. Now I'm, I'm quartz curious. That was so beautiful. You turns Layla quartz curious. Ooh. <laughs> I am so proud. <laughs> We're opening up third eyes today. That's, That's for right. sure. Ah. That is for sure. Wide open. Okay. <laughs> I love That's it. What we do. I love it. Now I'm That's thinking what we about do. all chakras. Yeah. <laughs> chakra open, gang, gang. Hey, <laughs> so silly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's cringe fire time. Our first question is: Do you have a favorite sex scene in film, TV, literature, theater? Oh wow. Hmm. That's such a good, I'm like, damn, favorite sex scene. Are there any movies that you fast forward to the good parts or books where you flip <laughs> to the good parts? It's, that's, that's the barometer. <laughs> no, but when you were saying that, it made me think about, because I can't think of like a movie or whatever, but seeing certain per- people perform, like certain burlesque performers perform is like kind of more where I'm like, ah, yeah, I got to go. Like, I, I don't care for the rest of the lineup, whatever. Like, I'm here for this person. <laughs> Live action. Live action. I know, definitely. IRL. <laughs> okay, the next one is, what other shows are you watching or enjoying right now? Shows that I'm watching. I finished Ozarks during this, you know, time. This is so shameful. I watch a lot of, like, YouTube. <laughs> so I watch, like, these clips of, like, Jesus and Marrow or Amber Ruffin. I love her. She's so fucking funny. So I end up watching like news, quote unquote, comedy on YouTube a lot and trying not to watch like shitty documentaries on Netflix. Like what is it? Cecil Hotel and like, you know, whatever murder, true crime, trying to like take a step away (laughs) from, from like people dying and bloody things. 
absolutely feel that. Yeah. What makes you cringe in the world? Like white women and dashikis. <laughs> Layla. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking because Jana and I used to work together. I think you were one of the people I used to talk about UN chic with. <laughs> about the things that people would wear to UN side events. Yes. That was before before <laughs> cultural appropriation was tossed around so easily as a term. We called it unchic or UN. <laughs> That's right. Oh. <laughs> what makes you cringe in the world today, Jana? Oh gosh, today I would say people being selfish. You know, we're still in this. We're we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but just people who are inconsiderate of those around them. That makes me cringe. Unhealed trauma and the ways that gets enacted out on people and and each other. That makes me cringe a lot. I was going to say people who don't wash their neck. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? I don't know. There was, I don't know. There was someone the other day that looked crusty. And so, and again, like it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but that just spoke to my heart and my spirit. (laughs) Yo, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, wash your neck. (laughs) Wash your neck, yo. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You may have coined our new signature (laughs) sign-off. That's Wash your neck. Wash your neck. (laughs) That's a wrap. Yeah, we got it. That was so... That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our guest, Jana Zinzi. You can find her at her website, janazinzi.com. That's J-A-N-N-A-Z-I-N-Z-I.com. Our editor is Karen Y. Chan. Dallas D.L. Engram created our theme song. Judith Walker created our logos and cover art. Our ad music is by Siddhartha Corsis. Find us now on our new Patreon, searching for cringe watchers. And until next time, 